Alrighty, good afternoon, everyone. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Wiz and I uh, having some fun here uh, with some preseason stuff. We're we're really looking at the range of outcomes uh, at each and every position. Uh, yesterday we handled the quarterback position, Wiz, and now we're on our way to the running backs. So hope you're doing well today. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for asking. I was thinking about something today. I don't know what made me think about this, but I'm, I'm going to give you this scenario and tell me if I'm completely off or if you can see a point to what I'm saying. Do you think the Julio Jones signing by the Titans, trade with the Titans, is even more of a sign that, and I, I'm going to explain my reasoning after I ask you this, is another sign that Aaron Rodgers is definitely not coming back to Green Bay. Because I have to think there was, there was a, 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 a tremendous chance that there was some communication back and forth between the agents, the players themselves, or something along those lines where if Julio was traded to Green Bay, that would be the thing that would bring Aaron Rodgers back. Am I way out of my mind or off base thinking that? Or do you think there could be something to that? Because, you know, to get Aaron Rodgers, that, that big second receiver, something that he seems he's been striving for, um, just seems, you know, that that after looking at what the deal was, that you'd have to think that Green Bay would have at least offered that or more. What, what do you think about that crazy conspiracy theory I have about that? So the, the one thing I found interesting, uh, I think there was a, this is when, remember when Julio leaked this on a television interview that he wasn't going back to Atlanta? Um, I think it was with uh, Shannon Sharp, actually, on, on the Fox network. And one of the things that came out, few days after that, is he wanted to play with a, a big-arm quarterback. And and this is not to take anything away from, from Tannehill, uh, but I think when we think of big-arm quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill doesn't automatically pop into your head. And by all accounts, it seemed like the market for Julio Jones wasn't as kind of vibrant. Uh, you know, Tennessee was willing to pay what they did pay for him, but it doesn't seem like a lot of other people were. Uh, and to your point, you know, the fact that it, 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 I'm sure it, it, the Julio camp is talking to the Green Bay Packers and trying to find out if, if the situation is going to be such that Aaron Rodgers is there. So so I don't think your story is out of whack. Um, but I do think, you know, I found it kind of odd that, you know, when Julio Jones is talking about getting that big arm big arm quarterback, like I said, I don't, I don't feel that Ryan Tannehill fits into that. Ryan Tannehill's been an extremely capable quarterback. He's done extremely well uh, since he's been the starter in, in Tennessee. But I wouldn't exactly compare. Yeah, he, I, I, would, I would argue that Matt Ryan, from a fantasy perspective and from a, from a talent perspective at quarterback, probably has a little bit of an edge on, on Ryan Tannehill. So, so I, don't, I, I think your, your story probably holds a little bit of water. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm just thinking that uh, if they had contact, you know, that seems like that would have been a perfect thing where you got two guys that are desperately, you know, trying to get that Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers probably feels he should have more than one, and Julio wants to, would love to be playing in that big game. And uh, it seems like that would be a perfect scenario unless, you know, they reached out and they spoke, and Aaron Rodgers says, nope, I'm not coming back there, you know, going – 
go and do something that'll you know you feel will give yourself the best chance to win. But I'm not coming back to Green Bay. Just I'm just wondering. It just seems to me like with with the final trade that was made, it just seems like to appease Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay would have uh, offered that uh, and more. I believe. Yeah, I, I think I think I think you're definitely correct in that. And look, we're going to be the the the. Uh, the OTAs that are, are going to be necessary for players to show up. Uh, I know Peter King wrote a big column about some of the things that he thinks is going on in his column uh, today. But, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers when, when players are expected to report uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time. Or is it next week, actually? I think it is. But yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't expect to see Aaron Rodgers there, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. But, you know, what's going to get interesting is at some point this is going to be about money. Where he's going to be, you know, losing out on money and Green Bay could go after bonuses and signing contracts and all kinds of money. So it's going to get, I have a feeling, it's going to get a lot uglier um, pretty quickly. But uh, for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to talk about wide range of outcomes for uh, different positions. And uh, this one is going to be the running back category. So I started off quarterback um, with the last podcast regarding quarterback. So why don't you start off with uh, a running back that you feel is difficult to rank and you feel has a very wide range of potential outcomes for the upcoming fantasy football season. Yeah, so the player I'm going to start with is kind of going to be a little bit more obscure in, in, terms, of, uh, in terms of running backs, uh, and, and it's going to be Malcolm Brown. Uh, I think Malcolm Brown, Miami Dolphins this year, uh, last year a member of the Los Angeles uh, Rams, uh, a player that has a bit of a nose for the, for the end zone. We, we saw that over the last few years with the Rams. Comes into a situation, you know, you talked a little bit yesterday about Tua and the explosiveness on this offense. Now, that's not to say that Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed uh, – did a very capable job at the at the running back position. Uh, smaller in stature, banged up a little bit. So, you know, I, last year, you know, they couldn't stay on the field exactly. Uh, and in comes Malcolm Brown, who's been you know kind of a consistent performer when given the opportunity. A very crowded backfield with the Rams. Uh, you know, I I just feel he's a player that's. He's definitely ranked way outside, probably outside the top forty. Um, but the sort of player that I think might have the talent given this situation that he's in, to actually come out as the number one running back on this team. And if you're right about this offense, uh, that certainly would be a big factor, you know, in terms of fantasy projections. So, so yeah, Malcolm Brown's going to be the first guy I mentioned. It, it, again, not a guy that maybe people are thinking about, uh, but a player that I think warrants some attention coming into this football season, especially given the talent that the Miami Dolphins have assembled on their offense. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I, you know, didn't I did not have Malcolm. I do not have Malcolm Brown on my list, but I, I, I like that one a lot for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, mentioned, and uh, we could probably, in theory, probably have about ten or twenty each of these guys. Uh, but for the purposes of you know limiting the podcast to less than twenty hours uh, on a position, I, you know, we're we're not taking that many. But I like I like the Malcolm Brown one. And my first running back is going to be his former teammate. Is going to be Cam Akers. Um, I know a lot of people are like ready to, I don't know, anoint Cam Akers running back one, uh, but I, I'm not quite so sure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not quite so sure. I, I think there is a wide range of outcomes for Cam Akers where I could think he could definitely be inside the top seven to ten at running back. 
and I can see a scenario where, and I'm not talking about, we're not, we're not talking about injuries when it comes to any of these players. We're going to talk about a full season, but circumstances that may happen because of the player, because of the depth chart, because of the quarterback, because of how their team is playing, game flow. So it's not about injuries, but I'm not ready to anoint Cam Akers, and I think there's a, a wide range of outcomes for Cam Akers, where I think he could be inside the top 10, and I could see a scenario where he's not even in the top 20 or running back two. Um, I think there are some interesting players on the depth chart. I think, you know, we have not seen the best of Daryl Henderson. Xavier Jones is going to maybe get a chance to play. The undrafted free agent from uh, Southern Methodist uh, is an interesting player. So I, I just think with the new offense, I know our memory is of Cam Akers basically carrying the Rams with their passing game basically nullified because Cooper Cup was hurt and Goff had the broken thumb and the surgery. So we remember Cam Akers just roaring up and down the field, but I'm not ready to anoint him in that spot yet. And I, I think there's still a pretty wide range of outcomes for Cam Akers uh, this upcoming season. Uh, so, uh, so Cam Akers is on my list as well. And, and you know, I, one of the things I thought about as well, and maybe this is irony just given the fact that, you know, Detroit post, post Barry Sanders really struggled to, to put up a, a, a running back that actually could run for 100 yards in a game. That took a long time for that achievement to occur. Um, you know, and Matt Stafford was the quarterback uh, in Detroit for a long period of time where, where the rushing game for the Detroit Lions was, was something of a question mark. And I'm not saying this had anything to do with Matt Stafford, but it's just kind of ironic that you mentioned Cam Akers. And I think when I look, Cam Akers is definitely getting a lot of attention. Uh, you mentioned Daryl Henderson. We just talked about Malcolm Brown, who's moved on. Um, you know, this offense could be a lot better passing offense. And we know what Sean McVay wanted to do with this team the first couple of seasons. And, and whatever happened, you know, after that Super Bowl loss, Jared Goff's confidence, I, I don't think he had, I, th I think Goff had a lot of trouble throwing when he was out of the pocket and on the run. Uh, I think this is a very talented receiving core. Uh, they had a down-the-field presence in Deshaun Jackson. Whether he can stay on the field, that remains to be seen. But there's no question in my mind that, that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback and makes a bigger difference for this passing offense uh, it, than, than Jared Goff did in the previous few seasons. So, so I think that's one of the things that kind of works it could work in the favor of Cam Akers, but it could also work against him. And and I think the range of outcomes, I you know generally see him, Cam Akers, as being ranked somewhere between 10 and 15. That's the kind of way I've seen it. Uh, is there an ability here on this offense to him to be the top dog where he's rushing the ball somewhere between 250 and 300 times, catching 40 or 50 balls? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a scenario that could happen. However, like you said, there are some interesting names on this roster. Daryl Henderson is still here, a big play guy. And I think the range of outcomes in a player like Cam Akers, you know, like you've just discussed, I, I, think, I think that's a very relevant uh, player to be discussing. He was on my list as well. So I share that, I share that thought with you. All right, so why don't you go and uh, get who's, uh, who's another running back on your list? Okay, the next running back on my list is a guy that, that we had on one of our fantasy teams. And uh, you know, I'm, I, I know when you get scarred by a player, when a player lets you down, um, at the time of his injury last year, Joe Mixon was ranked in the top 10 as a running back in terms of fantasy points. Gio Bernard has moved on. There's not a lot of running back depth for, for, the, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, there, this is an offensive line that they're trying to work on and improve. Joe Burrow 
coming back from ACL surgery. They've added a key piece like Jamar Chase. So you now have three really solid receivers on this team, young receivers. Um, and I think that means a lot of times that, that Joe Mixon may be facing a little bit more, a little bit less attention in, in, in the box. Uh, if he can stay healthy this year, you know, I think the range of outcomes for this offense in general, uh, and it, it, is, it could be very, very topside uh, if things work, work right for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, and that being said, Joe Mixon, you know, again, dealing with this offensive line, struggled at times last year, struggled at times the year before. This offense had trouble getting going. The second half of 2019, Joe Mixon put on a show, uh, but but it took a while for that to get going. So, so I think Joe Mixon, you know, has upside potential, but at the same time, you know, if we're looking at the injury story or an offensive line that's not working well enough, or this is a team that ends up getting more pass happy, I think there are downside risks to Joe Mixon as well. Interesting. So what's the floor for Joe Mixon? You know, assuming he, you know, he stays on the field because I, I looked at Joe Mixon and I think he could be, you know, running back one this year. Um, you know, we, you know, Gio Bernard not being there, you know, helps him. And, you know, the fact that their offense seems to be better. I'm a little concerned about the, you know, the, the offensive line, especially with a running back. Uh, and, and you always have to be careful when you have a young quarterback and you draft a running back, you just, you know, when they get into the red zone, sometimes he doesn't get them in the right play. So what's the floor for Joe Mixon? Do you think there's a scenario where he plays the whole season and he's not running back too? The floor for Joe Joe Mixon's a running back too. Yeah, that, that's the floor, running back two for Joe Mixon. So I see him, if he's playing the whole season, you know, eight, 900 yards rushing, something like uh, eight, eight to nine touchdowns, catching 30 to 40 balls. That's that's the floor on Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, right. again, but upside, if this offense actually thrives, Joe Mixon, double-digit touchdowns, you know, very involved in the passing game, uh, you know, yeah. g- getting his touches where, you know, you could see the player with 13, 1,400 yards rushing. Could, could that scenario occur? Yeah, and, and that's, you know, obviously for fantasy circles, that puts a player, you know, kind of in the conversation of top seven. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to my next running back, and uh, we're going to continue with this, you know, combination of uh, Rams and Lions and Jared Goff family seems to be connected here. And I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. Uh, this, to me, is a player that has – Great ability, second-year player, uh, but, you know, given the fact of the fact, you know, they, they could be trailing in a lot of games, Jamal Williams is there, I'm not even mentioning the fact that, you know, Gurley's met with them, and who knows, you know, the, the thinking on, on, on Gurley, I mean, the thinking on Williams and, and Swift would have to change if Gurley ends as a picture, but just right now, given the scenario, I think there, there's a real wide range of outcomes where if Swift just takes the mantle and gets the majority of the carries and is used in that passing game, and they try and get him into the open field, his receptions and his rushing yards and his totals can be pretty good. I mean, especially, you know, if they're trailing in a lot of games and they throw it to him. The other side of it is that he could kind of become 
I don't want to say irrelevant, but he could be, you know, not in the top 25 at the entire position. I could see him clearly ending up being a running back three, getting even close to the flex territory if Jamal Williams starts playing, you know, really well and splits the carries and he's a better blocker, he's better in pass protections than Swift is, clearly. Uh, you don't play next to Aaron Rodgers if you don't know how to, uh, how to pass protect. So he's better in that aspect of the game by a wide margin, and I think there's a, there's a really wide range of outcomes with DeAndre Swift where he can be electric and he could put up good numbers if things go his way, but if not, uh, I think you're looking at running back three all the way to potential flex for that player. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have him on my list, but I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think you know, again, Gurley coming into the situation, I'm not really worried about that player. The player that does worry me in terms of cutting into the production of DeAndre Swift most definitely is Williams, a very effective player, as you mentioned, in pass protection, catches the ball well, runs hard. Uh, so yeah, I, I can see a scenario where where definitely a DeAndre Swift is overdrafted in terms of positioning uh you know there's always hype around younger players uh and i, I think there's good reason because at times last year swift looked very good particularly in the second half of the season but i definitely understand your wide range of outcomes on that player all right what do you got next well, the next player I have is actually a rookie, and the rookies this year actually have a big benefit of actually being in camp and having the rookie camps and being involved in OTAs and, and the proper preparation that we've seen in seasons before. In a running back friendly situation where it got a lot friendlier given that Jeff Wilson Jr. will not be part of the equation, and I think Raheem Mostert, as much as you and I loved watching the player when he touched the ball when he was on the field last year, the hardest problem was keeping him keeping him on the field. So a situation has arisen here, and I look at where Trey Sermon is ranked. Uh, he's going to be a rookie, like I said, that will benefit from activity in a run-friendly or a running back-friendly system that, 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 uh, that Kyle Shanahan runs. So to me, now, it's a situation where Jeff Wilson Jr. can get back earlier. They have Wayne Goldman on this roster as well. Jermichael Hasty is here. So it's not like this running back room is not crowded. So it could be a situation where the training wheels are on for the first half of the season and Trey Sermon doesn't break out. But I can see a situation as well, and I mentioned the injury pass for, for Mostert, who was explosive as he's been when he's been on the field. It's been a little bit of a challenge to do that. So Trey Sermon, to me, has the biggest upside of any rookie running back this year coming into the draft, given the situation, the system, and what's going on with the personnel around him. I don't, I don't, dis I don't disagree with the upside for Trey Sermon, but you know, other running backs have a clearer path right off the bat. Um, the thing about the player that he's behind is when Mostert plays, he's a beast. I mean, when he Mostert does not have a bad game <laughs> fantasy wise when he's playing. So it's going to take, it's going to take a, for the upcoming season, it's going to take an injury sustained for Raheem Mostert for Trey Sermon to, you know, to get in there and do something, you know, this year. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, if the path was clear for him with that offense, um, you know, there there is potential. One player that you didn't mention who played great when Saquon Barkley got hurt was Wayne Gallman. Uh He fa factors into that. And, uh, I mean, is it, could Wayne Gallman be a thorn in the side of Trey No, I, 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 I mentioned Gallman. I did say Gallman, but, no, 
no, I, I, you know, I, that's what I said. That's the potential downside. Guys like Gallman and Hasty, who actually come up next in line, and and you know, Trey Sermon has to yeah. earn his stripes. So, so I don't disagree with that, and that's kind of the potential downside for Sermon. But at the same time, if he actually, you know, wows everybody in in training camp, you know, that's a, we're talking about a completely different scenario here. Ah, you know, look. Raheem Mostert is not a young man. Uh, I, I don't. I know he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, but you know, let's let's call a spade a spade. He's he's not been able to stay on the football field in a consistent way. And we saw this before with Matt Breida that they they gave up on him relatively quickly. Uh, we know Jeff Wilson Jr., who was a star at the end of last season, but you know Jeff Wilson Jr. might not be back playing football till till November at the earliest. So so there's a lot of different factors moving around here, a lot of different players, a lot of different scenarios that I could see for Trey Sermon. I, you know, if if if, if I, I would not be surprised by week eight if Trey Sermon was the number one running back in San Francisco, would that surprise me? No, but at the same time, like you said, there's a number of different players here. He could still be number four by week eight. So that's what I'm talking about—a range of outcomes for a player like that. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think he's an interesting player, and I think there is, you know, certainly a, a wide range of, of outcomes. I just think um, he, the path for him is going to have to rely on others uh, having some kind of, you know, unforeseen thing, at least for this upcoming season, happen to them. But uh, he's certainly uh, a good player, and it's a shame that he got uh, he got hurt uh, right in the you know first few. Uh, plays of the uh, of the championship game uh, kind of just you know destroyed the chances for Ohio State in that game against Alabama. Um, so my next player is a player that uh, you know you have currently on your fantasy team as a keeper for this upcoming year, and uh, Chase Edmonds, um, a player that I, I've always liked. Uh, I always you know I, I thought. He was, you know, the better half of that duo with with Kenyon Drake. I, I thought he had a chance to be uh, a very, very good fantasy player. He's not built to get, uh, you know, have a lot of carries, but he's so clever and good in in the passing game. And um, you know, enters. Um, you know, now James Conner um, and that situation, I don't know, uh, people people are so unsure about James Conner. Uh, I just think there's a real wide range of outcomes for, for, for Chase Edmonds due to his stature, his ability, the system he's in, uh, a team that likes to throw the ball a lot. I think there's a, a wide range of outcomes for Chase Edmonds. I really like the player. I just don't know if he's going to get the volume to be, uh, you know, a, a fantasy one running back. Um, so I think there's a lot of ranges of outcome for that player. I think if he was to get a lot of volume, if if if, if James Conner was to you know hurt himself or not be able to stay on the field right off the bat, and it's all Chase Edmonds with nobody really in his way, um, he could put up terrific fantasy numbers. Even if James Conner plays, if he gets the volume, but if that kind of becomes a split situation and they're throwing the ball all over the place and he's not getting volume, uh, I could see Chase Edmonds being a very frustrating player to own. So in terms of wide rangers, uh, I have Chase Edmonds on my list. Yeah, so Chase Edmonds, like you said, I, I own him in the Dynasty League. Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, so for a couple other things I wanted to add here on Edmonds, and I think 
I'm I'm pretty comfortable. And, and look, Chase Edmonds, along with James Conner, both catch the ball very well. So I think there's there's a lot of flexibility that in, in Cliff Kingsbury's offense uh, that he can work with both of the players because they both catch the ball well. I'm not particularly worried about that side of it. But you know, banging the ball into the end zone, uh, you know, not that Kenyon Drake was was significantly bigger, but he was a bigger player. The funny thing is that the Arizona Cardinals, and this is helped along by by Kyler Murray, of course, but the Arizona Arizona Cardinals actually ranked number seven in the NFL last year in, in rushing yards per game. Again, a lot of it because of Murray, not necessarily because of the running backs. And and I do worry from a physical stature guy, you know, do I, I look at most projections for Chase Edmonds. I don't think anybody really has him getting more than 750 yards rushing. I think James Conner will be on the field frequently in this offense if he's, if you, if he's able to remain healthy. Um, if that's not the case, that's a whole other story. And, and the range of outcomes to the top side could be a lot bigger. But I could also see a scenario where, you know, James Conner is the goal line back on this team. You're, you're seeing a smaller player like Chase Edmonds who is not going to get banged up as much, uh, you know, in, in the trenches. So I agree with you in terms of range of outcomes. I can see this moving in, in either direction. It's, it's an enticing player. It's a guy when he's been given the opportunity, has definitely excelled. But again, not a player of very large physical stature, and that's that's something that, that can be a negative factor. Now, the one thing, though, is, and this, this is something I wanted to ask you, the fact that in this offense, Kyler Murray spreading the ball out to the receivers that he has, does that help the situation where stacked boxes are not going to be as present as much in this offense? I think it could help him, and I think it helped him because he, he's he's terrific in the passing game, and I think they're gonna you know he's in the, they're gonna throw him the ball a lot as well, and, and and have a lot of mismatches there with with their offense. That's assuming you know AJ Green could you know could stay on the field, and they could play the kind of personnel that they want to play. I just don't know, you know, you just know that Hopkins is gonna get a lot of talk if they have AJ Green drafted more. Um, so. I just feel, you know, it's again, it's just a lot of unknowns with Chase Edmonds. And uh, if he gets the volumes and he's part of that passing game and, uh, you know, that, that, that offense um, is, is, is really, you know, rolling and they get in the red zone a lot, he could, you know, have a terrific year. I just, you know, it's, he's just one of these players that I just find so difficult to rank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I definitely. Agree. I, I own the player. Am I no nervous about owning the player? Yes. Am I gonna? Is he? Go, am I, is he a player that I'm gonna keep this year? Most likely, he's a player I'm gonna keep. But. But I do understand the risk that's attached to the player, particularly with Connor joining this running back crew. Yep. What do you got next? All right. So. So this is a player we've talked about a lot. Um, you know, depending on how things shake out, uh, I, I can see this player being a top ten or fifteen running back depending on how the offense performs but but Mike Davis is extremely intriguing to me yes an older running back in an Arthur Smith offense that is running back friendly now we know Julio's gone but they still have Calvin Ridley Russell Gage Kyle Pitts obviously has joined forces here it's not a particularly deep running back group uh they have the rookie Javian Hawkins here uh Allison is still here big kind of goal line back Mike Davis's downside probably isn't that significant but I think the upside is very high and kind of where I see him him ranked right now in a lot of 
projections seems to be too low. And a, and a guy who performed extremely admirably last year when Christian McCaffrey was out, catches the ball well. And like I said, even though an older running back, a guy with not a lot of mileage attached to him. Now, if it's a situation where one of these young, and, and Hawkins, by the way, is a smaller stature guy. So I can see him being more of the scat back in this offense. But yeah, I think Mike Davis is a guy that has a range of outcomes. And right now it looks like he's going to be the number one guy. And I think in this offense that projects to a possible very, very, very strong performance as a result of that. Probably way better than where he's ranked right now. Uh, the downside, I don't see it as significant where he comes out, but it's really dependent upon how he's used in the passing game. Could Hawkins be the guy that's on the field on third down a lot of times? That's a possibility. So something that needs to be watched out for, we'll be looking out how they're using these players in the preseason. But I think Mike Davis is one of those players with some range on him. So uh, what's the, I mean, you know, uh, because of the for all of those reasons you mentioned, I didn't see like how far back. Like I think he's pretty solid. Like, so what would be a scenario, and like what what's his floor? You know, again, this is a situation where if 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 Allison and Hawkins are able to make a little bit noise, where. Allison's on the field a little bit more than than we thought, and Mike Davis is not getting the twenty odd touches a game, which. Again, that's what I would expect to happen, but I think there's a possibility that that's not the case. So, you know, floor, six to 700 yards rushing, that sort of scenario, uh, catching 30 balls, I think that's the floor. I think the upside on that is, is, is much more sizable than the downside. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree that the upside, I, I just don't know like what the depth chart is. And I was, you know, I took a look at him. I just didn't know what potentially his his flaw could be because nobody is quite, you know, but he's really impressive uh, else on that depth chart where he's going to, you know, not get the lion's share of the work. So we'll have to see how it plays out with Mike Davis. And, of course, we'll have to see how that Atlanta offense is, uh, is looking uh this year with, uh, you know, with uh, Kyle Pitts and uh, no Julio Jones. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, go to the next player on my list. Um, this is a player that there's so much stuff going on around him, the quarterback position, what the team wants to do on offense. Um, Damian Harris, when he got in there and everyone else was hurt, he was running downhill and he was running hard and he was like one of the only bright spots for the Patriots in some of those games down the stretch. But that being said, um, I don't know, the, the re-signing of James White makes me a little dubious of, of, the, of the volume for Damian Harris. Uh, Sony Michelle is still there. Um, I, I just, you know, he, he played well he played well down the stretch, and then they, they also draft uh, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who, who runs really hard. He's a bruising back, kind of like Damian Harris. So I'm not quite sure. I have difficulty figuring out where to rank him, where to place him. I could see a wide range of outcomes. I mean, if they really stick with Cam Newton and they want to ground and pound you, uh, you know, he could get a lot of carries and he could be fantasy viable. Or I could just see in game flow if the rookie quarterback gets in there and, you know, you never really want to have a running back with a rookie quarterback in the first year in that kind of offense. And then you got to feel James White is going to be part of game flow in games they're losing. 
I have a difficulty ranking Damian Harris. I think there's a wide range of outcomes for that player. And uh, I don't know, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on the player. Yeah, well, funny enough, Damian Harris was, was the next running back on my list. So uh, for, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. So first off, the, the New England Patriots last year couldn't pass the ball. Uh, so as a result, they had to run the ball a lot more. New England ranked number three in the NFL in rushing yards per game. As you mentioned, Sony Michelle is still there. They drafted Stevenson. They have James White back. Um, but, you know, this is a situation that's really going to be predicated upon who's taking snaps. Will it be Mac Jones at the start of the season? How soon, if not start of the season, how soon will Mac Jones be behind the center? I, and, and again, this is a Bill Belichick team that's going to be built around the defense. They may want to play what, would, what I would deem small ball here where where the running game and, and possession, time of possession will be very key in terms of what they want to do. So I, I couldn't agree more with, you know, if, if Damian Harris had over a thousand yards rushing and double digit touchdowns this year, would I be shocked at that? No, I would not. Now he's not going to catch a lot of balls. He, he was not very involved in the passing game last year, but I, I could also envision a scenario where there's four guys sharing depending on the game flow. And we know that in the past, Game flow in the New England Patriots has been a real challenge to predict and has really been a difficult factor in terms of fantasy success on a on a consistent basis. So I agree 100% a difficult player to rank, a guy that I could see having a tremendous surprise season or a guy that can just be, uh, you know, just one of the guys in, in, in this on this team, which, again, has question marks at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think the floor is like a trap door. <laughs> I mean, I think he could just fall through the floor where he's not even fantasy relevant uh, in terms of uh, a flex spot. I mean, I just think he could get really bad for the player. But then again, I could see, you know, if they're, if they're able, that defense is better and they're on top of teams and Cam Newton's there and they're playing ground and pound, I could see a lot of carries. And I agree, eh? you know, when they get down there, he's really the guy they're going to want to have in the ball game. You know, Burkhead's not there anymore. Tony Michelle could barely stay on the field. They have a rookie. Uh, James White's not going to be the type of guy that they're going to give the ball to in that situation. So there is a wide range. I have difficulty ranking that player. And uh, you, uh, you obviously agree. So go ahead to your uh, next player. I have one more running back on my list. Very good, because I have one more running back as well. And this is a player that garnered all the hype last season. I think he impacted a lot of fantasy players, probably to the downside, because buying into that hype. And I look at this running back room. It's gotten a little bit more crowded this year with Jarek McKinnon, who's not Basically, he's not been able to stay on the field the last couple of seasons. Former Viking, former 49er. Darrell Williams is still here. Darwin Thompson is still here. Uh, we know this is an elite passing game, but I can see Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, moving both sides, both directions here. I think there's a wide range on this player. He was not used in the passing game last year uh, to the extent that I thought he would be used. And I think a lot of fantasy owners were hoping he would be used. That was not the case. You know, there was a lot of Brian Westbrook comparisons and it just never showed up. You know, could we see that this year? Yeah. So that's kind of the upside of it. But the downside is we see the same thing as last year and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire becomes a player that's extremely frustrating to own in a running back room. Like I said, you know, I, I felt with Darrell Williams at times last year looked like the better running back in the, on the Kansas City Chief roster. So this is a player that I feel is a little bit challenging, especially in this high-powered passing offense to predict what will happen. And I think there are some battle scars from last year. 
Yeah, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire was ranked wrong last year and, was, and is ranked wrong this year. Uh, I think, you know, again, I, I know, you know, people want to love the idea of a player like that going into that offense, but, you know, people had him as running back one overall. I think he was, the hype was too much last year. I think maybe, uh, you know, he, he could outperform his ranking this year, but I agree. There's a large range of outcomes. Darrell Williams is a guy that they feel safe with. Jerk McKinnon has a lot of talent, and I wish Darwin Thompson they would give him a chance or release him and let him get a chance to play somewhere because I think uh, he has a world of talent. So yeah, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be an interesting player to be drafted in fantasy football this year. So, so Wiz, let me ask you, do you, do you think, is there a scenario where you feel that Kind of the expect. So let's think about the expectations last year. Can you envision a Brian Westbrook type season from Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year, where he's running for eight to nine hundred yards, catching the ball for six to seven hundred, you know, fifty, sixty catches? Can you envision that type of season for a player like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, or is that too lofty? No, no, it's not. It's not too lofty. Uh, I felt Kansas City didn't use Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the best aspect of his game, which is in the passing game, as much as they really should have. I mean, I know uh, they kind of used it in some of those playoff games, but he really was not used in the screen game as much, in the passing game, route running, passes down the field, really not as much as I thought they would have and should have, because uh, that is the best aspect of his game. He's got to make some better running decisions, especially in the red zone. Otherwise, he is going to get vultured by Darrell Williams. There is no question in my mind, or McKinnon, and or McKinnon, are going to vulture his touchdowns if he doesn't improve his red zone vision, decisiveness, and toughness. He is going to get touchdowns vultured, and that is going to really, really frustrate and annoy fantasy football owners. But in terms of stats, rushing and receiving yards and receptions, yeah, I think I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is capable of that. Uh, we'll just see the usage and the volume of the player, but uh, I think um, I think there's you know a tremendous amount of potential still there, and uh, you always like to give. Uh, running back the benefit of the doubt going from their rookie season to their second year you see that jump saw what david montgomery did this past year he looked like a different player and uh that's why i'm i'm in love with so many of these second year running backs i think a lot of them are going to make uh make that jump so yeah, uh, and, yeah and, and, I and i think i think the one thing that worked against a lot of those first year guys last year was just the way the preseason worked out right it was not a you know covid really was a big contribution to to players not getting normal preparation time. And and we saw, you know, Wiz and I talked distinctly about this. We started to see the the sea change that was kind of happening around week, week six, week seven last year with a bunch of these guys where we felt that they were going to start being a, a factor that they weren't at the start of the year. So the impact of not having a normal preparation into the season may may have been a contributing factor to why Clyde Edwards-Alaire was not a bigger part of the passing game. You know, caught, he caught 35 balls last year. Could could you see something where he catches fifty five to sixty? I think if you if, if you talk about a situation where, like you said, he's more decisive in the red zone and he's able to stay on the field a little bit more frequently because the coaching staff is more confident in that, absolutely. But as you said, this team is also very confident what Darrell Williams can do, and and again, you add Jarek McKinnon to the mix, so so it's a very interesting situation for for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was all, I thought he was being like I said. Um 
overhyped, overvalued going into last year's draft. When we had Rich, Rich the Card Collector on, and he asked me about the rookie running backs, and I mentioned two. I didn't mention Clyde edwards Lair. I mentioned J.K. Dobbins, and I mentioned Jonathan Taylor. And who were the best, two best running rookie backs last year? It was, it was J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor. And they weren't even used correctly. Uh, they, they, they really didn't, both those players didn't hit their stride until the second half of the season when both of those coaches, uh, Reich and Harbaugh, said, uh, forget about these veterans. I don't know what I'm doing here, and I'm going to play these guys. And they were, they were tremendous, especially, especially Taylor down the stretch. And I think uh, those two players and other rookies uh, going into the second year are going to make that second-year leap. But I'm going to mention my last running back, and I'm going to put this as a running back slash running backs because I'm just going to view them as a as a couple entry, and I have no idea what to do with these two players. Um, I don't envision having either player on any of my fantasy teams. I know there's upside because of the team that they're on, and they're going to be scoring points, and they're going to be in the red zone. I have. Can I can before you say anything? Can I can I guess the team? Sure. The Buffalo Bills. No, no, I know. I mean, I was looking at uh, Moss and Singletary. Okay, sorry. I have no idea what to do with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Ah. Uh, <laughs> not only can I rank them, I can't even figure out which of them is is ahead of who on the depth chart. I mean, it it can literally flip not from week to week, from play to play. Neither guy, both guys catch the ball like Edward Scissorhands. Neither one of those guys are comfortable in the passing game, okay? Uh, and I just don't know because it just seems like if one guy fumbles, if one guy misses a blocking assignment, he could be standing next to Bruce Arians uh, you know, uh, on the bench the rest of the game. So I think that the Moss Singletary one is tough as well, but they're a clearly a pass happy team, so I wouldn't really necessarily think of those guys. But they could be like some upside if you could nail the right guy in this Ronald Jones Leonard Fournette situation. And the fact that they brought in Gio Bernard just uh, you know proves the point that neither one of those guys are electric or elite in the passing game. But I don't know what you think of these two guys. I don't know which guy you like better, but. I have no idea where to rank the guys. Um, and I, the thing is, you know, if you get the right guy, the team figures to be in the red zone often with their defense and their offense, and you'd like to have the starting running back or the right guy with a lion's share of the carries. But I don't know how to rank those two guys. <laughs> what are you doing with those two guys? Uh, I'm not. I'm not drafting. First of all, you know there's uh, precedence when it comes to uh, Leonard Fournette, who is a player that I've generally steered away from over the course of his career. Uh, I think the points that you make about how Bruce Arians thinks about this rushing game from game to game is extremely frustrating. You mentioned and you talked about the. Well, we thought James White might end up here, right? And 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 it ends up being Gio Bernard, which I think is a very strong statement. They still have Vaughn on on this team as well. Uh, I don't know how to rank these guys. I don't, I, you know, could you see a scenario where one half of the season, one guy is the, is the, is the main guy and the second half of the season, it, it goes the other way around. It was even really mysterious when you think about how it worked out in the playoffs, right? Ronald Jones was the guy that was thought to be the starter at the end of the year. He comes up with a mysterious injury. We really don't see him in the postseason. It's the Leonard Fournette show in the postseason. So yeah, no 
idea how to rank these guys. Probably situations that I will stay away from, but I do agree that range of outcomes is wide when it comes to this rushing attack, particularly in this potent offense. Yeah, I just think like... uh... Unlike Buffalo, you know, Tampa Bay will get in situations where they will be leading and will be looking to run the ball. Uh, Buffalo, you know, I don't know if you want to just comment for a minute or two on the Zach Moss-Singletary duo. And by the way, now Matt Breida enters the picture, who is clearly the most electrifying, fastest, guy, big play potential guy in that backfield now. But it just looks to me that, that, that Allen and Diggs want to throw the ball literally every single play and a running play is just you know to to to, to maybe throw the team off because uh, they, they when I watch them it just appears that they're not interested in creating developing or trying to establish a running game within the flow of the game so uh, I, I, that's another confusing situation do you want to try and pause through the breed of Singletary Massa Quagmire so before I get to that I, th- I thought one thing was interesting just on the Tampa Bay situation I, I was kind of startled last year I-, I know in one game during the regular season last year I got burned I think Ronald Jones had like a 90 yard 99 yard touchdown run against me in, in a game um, but but I was surprised to see that he averaged five yards a carry that was a little surprising to me and he almost had a thousand yards rushing so I was surprised when I when I had looked at that um, but again it's just a maddening situation now, now back to Buffalo I agree. There is intent to throw the ball 50-odd times and to make sure that Jared, uh, Josh Allen is actually the leading rusher on this team. It became really, really frustrating dealing with, with if you had Singletary, Moss got hurt late in the year. Singletary really, you know, you and I had some hopes for Singletary, especially after that playoff game in 2019, but he couldn't seem to get out of his own way last year. Uh, Moss at times started taking the, the ball around the end zone. And like you said, now you add a player like Brita, who I think has been frustrating to own. I think at times when, when Brita was on San Fran, I thought he was the best running back in that running back room. Uh, he couldn't shake up that ankle. They seem to always have a sprained ankle. So if he can find a way to stay on the field, it could make life a little bit interesting for Zach Moss and, and Devin Singletary. But is a team that wants to r- throw the ball first. So I'm not sure how much value a running back in this offense actually has. But, you know, we, we could be surprised by that. We, you know, we could have a situation where they don't want to expose Josh Allen as much. They take a look at things. They don't want him taking these big hits. They want him slinging the ball down the field to, to, his, to his receiving core. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out. I can see this being just as frustrating, and that's why I had guessed it, because I thought this was a very difficult running back room to predict, and I'm, I'm with you. I think it's, you know, underneath the Tampa Bay body, back running back room, I, I would put Buffalo right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only difference really is that you know you're not going to have to contend with Tom Brady when it comes to rushing yards and rushing attempts. You know, you have those backs on the Bills on your fantasy team. You know, number one, you have to hope they run the ball, which they're not doing often. And then when they do run the ball, they really have these design runs for Josh Allen, and he likes running it and uh, running him in and getting first downs. And uh, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a difficult and a frustrating uh, situation. Uh, you could just put all of those those guys together and uh, look. Somebody will be drafting them on their fantasy football teams. It just won't be me. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. Well, that's a that's a a great recap. As always, Wiz, the running backs. Uh, uh, you know, a, a maligned position, so a, a difficult position, a changing position in the NFL. But I think we took a good stab at it today, trying to predict the highs and lows from, from this particular group. Uh, later in the week, we will move on to receiver and tight end. Uh, but this is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Hope you're enjoying the preseason activities that we have for you. And Wiz, I'll wish you a good evening and talk to you later in the week. Yep, you do the same. Thank you.